You're listening to the Christian Single Moms Podcast. Hey, it's Michelle. Welcome back to the Christian Single Moms Podcast. Today's subject is a big one. We're going to be talking about forgiveness. I know for myself and for many of us, forgiveness is something we have struggled with, we might continue to struggle with. And while oftentimes we talk about our exes and partners and those types of things, and forgiveness is a big part of that, forgiveness also extends to people who have wronged us all throughout our lives. And I know for myself, I haven't often handled forgiveness in the best way. For me, what that looks like is I often will very quickly forgive somebody and then heap a bunch of positivity on it and just like move on. And that's not always the most helpful because I find that the issues that are really bubbling under the surface, they continue to boil over time and time again. And I have to keep dealing with the hurts that I've incurred. Today's guest is going to help blow the lid off of all of this. His name is Tim Sanford. And he's the clinical director of counseling services for Focus on the Family. Tim wrote an incredible book called Forgive for Real, Six Steps to Forgiving. And it outlines very clearly what the Bible says about forgiveness and how we practically can go about stepping through the process in a way that honors the hurts that we've experienced but yet sets us free so that we can continue to move on with our lives. My conversation with Tim was so robust. This is actually going to be a two-parter. So in this first episode, we're going to be talking about what those six steps are and how it can allow us to just disconnect from this feeling of hurt that we might constantly be feeling and move on into the future. That we can understand that sayings like forgive and forget are not accurate. And a lot of times what keeps us from moving forward with forgiveness is that we feel like we're giving this person who hurt us a free pass and an open door to hurt us again. And as you'll hear in the conversation with Tim, Tim sets all that right and helps us to understand what forgiveness really is about. And it's about doing something for ourselves and setting ourselves free. Before we launch into that conversation, I want to make sure that I mention Faithful Counseling, our sponsor. Faithful Counseling offers Christian counseling on your time so that you have the ability to connect with a counselor who can help you move through issues like trauma and forgiveness and these types of things and allow you to heal. If you go to getfaithful.com slash single mom, you can actually get 10% off of your first month. So make sure that you go and check out Faithful Counseling. I'd like to tell you a little bit about Tim Sanford. He's a licensed professional counselor. He's worked in both psychiatric hospital and residential treatment settings and maintained a private counseling practice for 27 years. But currently, he is the clinical director of counseling services at Focus on the Family. Tim is also an ordained minister. He's been married since 1981 and has two adult daughters. I know you're going to get so much out of this interview, so if you have a pen and paper or if you take notes on a note app or whatever you use, you're going to definitely want to have that handy. Here's my interview with Tim Sanford. Tim, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. Forgiveness is a topic that I I know I have struggled with, not just throughout my life, but certainly in just various seasons and things I've gone through in becoming a single mom. and. I think that the material you have is such a, it's just such a great roadmap to understanding biblically how we can approach these subjects and how they may affect our relationships in the future. So I'd like to know if you would just start us off with talking about why the process of forgiveness is so essential 
to our healing process, when it comes to healing from hurt and injury. Well, and thanks for letting me be here, Michelle. I appreciate that a lot because yes, forgiveness is very, very critical to our healing process. It's also highly misunderstood and misrepresented. So the, the reason it's essential is for basically for two reasons. First of all, forgiveness disconnects me from the wrong that was done to me and lets me heal. As long as I don't forgive, I'm still connected to the hurt. I'm still connected to the person who hurt me and I can't heal. So forgiving gets me that disconnecting so that I can begin to heal. The second reason forgiveness is so important is because if I don't forgive, I'm in a sense playing God. I'm being judge. I'm being debt collector. And we'll get into that in a little bit. And I'm trying to play God. And that's not a good place to be. I love what you're saying as far as that it disconnects me from the hurt because I think a lot of times we feel like forgiving someone just gives the open door and the free pass to be hurt again. And I think that's why many of us struggle with it is because it just doesn't, something about it doesn't set right with us. But I think, as you said, there's a a lot of misconceptions about forgiveness and what it really means. Can you help us to understand why sayings, for example, like forgive and forget are not accurate when it comes to really understanding forgiveness? Because it's not accurate. You, you can't just forget. And particularly if it's been a big, huge, painful, destructive thing that happened to you, you can't just go, I forget. No, you, you can't. So it's, it's not even telling the truth. The second reason that it's important to understand that forgive and forget is not accurate is because sometimes it's very, very important for us to remember. Because remembering the person who damaged and hurt us will remind us maybe they're still not a safe person to be around. So I need to remember those things in order to keep myself and my family safe. And we'll talk later on about trust, but that's something that's been pivotal to me is to understand that forgiving somebody does not mean that they are deserving of my trust anymore. And that while I can heal from the injury itself, that it's okay. It's actually a good idea sometimes if the nature of that relationship changes based on whether or not they show themselves to be trustworthy. Well, and, and forgiveness has nothing to do with fixing a relationship. Forgiveness has nothing to do about trusting the other person. One of the things we do in Christian circles is we put forgive and confront, reconcile, and you know, live happy ever after into a blender, turn it on and make a Christian smoothie out of it. Um, no, each topic is separate. They're, they're related, yes, but they're separate need to be handled separately because I can forgive and not trust. Forgive is really, think of it as a court of law event, okay? It has nothing to do about fixing relationships. It has nothing to do about emotions. Yes, there are emotions in the courtroom, but it's not about fixing anything. It's a court of law event, which looks at what wrong happened, what's the debt that is owed, And how do we collect on that debt? Yeah, so let's dive into that. You talk about in your book, Forgive for Real, that there are six steps for forgiveness. And as you mentioned, you know, sort of that first step is being able to say, this is the wrong that was done, to to give it a name and to declare it. And I think that's really, to me, that's been so eye-opening how 
how much power there is in being able to actually firstly declare what it is that I'm struggling with, what it is that was done that, that is causing me hurt. So can you talk to us about why being able to actually name that and declare what it is, is so important to beginning this process? Well, if I'm going to forgive, what am I forgiving? I need to know what it is. And again, let's go back to the courtroom. The courtroom doesn't care whether you like me or dislike me. So let me use, let me use a, a goofy little word picture. Let's say that you get real mad at me somehow, Michelle. You drive all the way out here to Colorado Springs, find my car, break out my windshield. Okay? Don't do it for real, but this is just a pretend scenario. Okay? <laughs> and when we go to the court, the court doesn't care whether we like each other. The court doesn't care about the topic. All the court cares about is what law was broken. Destruction of private property, you broke my windshield. There's not emotion in that. There's fact. And I need to articulate that clearly so that I know what the wrong was done against me. Okay. Um, and, and sometimes we don't like this first step because, well, getting in touch with that, and I actually have people write it out on a piece of paper in the book, Forgive for Real. It's actually a workbook. So there's, there's a worksheet in there of at the name of the, you put the name of the person at the top, so-and-so, and then list the wrongs they did against me. This is factual. We don't like that sometimes mm -hmm. because that reminds me of the pain and that gets me angry. And it's like, no, there's a reason I stay away from it because it's icky. Yet at mm -hmm. the same time, we need to be clear because sometimes it's something that hurt us, but it wasn't a wrong. For example, I, I'm married to my wife, Becky. And is it wrong to forget her birthday? No. Bad, it, it certainly doesn't feel no, good. No, <laughs> it's not because a wrong is either a civil wrong or one mm -hmm. of God's moral wrongs. Now, it's dumb and stupid. Yes. Okay. It hurts her. It, it messes up with the relationship that I need to correct, but it's not a wrong. I don't go to court over forgetting her birthday. Okay. It still hurts. So part of this is sometimes there's things that really don't need to be forgiven, but I want them to be. I want the person to owe me when they really don't. So that first step is very, very important. And sometimes this takes a while to figure out clearly what the wrong really, really was. I, I work a lot with, you know, missionary kids and preachers' kids. And so one of the things that happens a lot, well, dad was too busy to spend time with me. So the question is, is it a moral or one of God's, I mean, is it a civil or is it one of God's moral wrongs to be too busy? Well, the answer is no. Ah, but, 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 wait, wait, let's hold on here. Is it wrong in God's eyes to not be the parent that my children need? Is it wrong to neglect the needs of my children? Ah, yes, there's the wrong. You hear it, Michelle? Mm -hmm. And so I'm yeah. not just playing word games. I'm actually very clearly working through what the wrong really, really was. I see. So it's the difference between I'm sifting out, this is how I feel. It feels bad, but let's be, let's really examine where the wrong comes from. It may not be, well, you just made me feel a certain way, but that there is somewhere in there an action, for example, what you said of neglect, that really is where that hurt comes Correct, from. Correct. Because court of law really isn't about the feelings. It really is. Right. It's about what's right what's, and the wrong that took place. So that's why step number one is important. And sometimes it takes a while. You know, when I work with a client and we go down through and going, okay, let's find the words, because there's something here. Let's find the words accurately 
to describe what the wrong was that took place. Because when you're wronged, that's where the hurt comes from. So we need to start here. So once we've been able to declare and figure out that wrong that was done, you mentioned that the next step is stating what the debt that is owed is. How can we go about determining what that even is? What does that, what does that mean practically? Well, and this one, I get some pushback for, for us trying to be good Christians. And, and you need to know this, and your listeners do too. I, I was raised as a preacher's kid, as a missionary kid. And my second language is sarcasm. So if things come out a little bit sarcastic mm-hmm. from time to time, just be, a, just be aware of that uh, on this. Grace, <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> but, but a debt that is owed going, you owe me, doesn't sound Christian-y or nicey-nicey. It's the truth, though. If God is a holy and just God and you wrong somebody, there's a debt that's owed. So if I steal $10 from you, I owe you. I owe you $10. In the, in the little example that we're using, if you break out my windshield, the judge says, you owe me a new windshield. If I lie to you, what do I owe you then? Well, I owe you the truth. Okay, right. so there is a debt that is owed. And in some things, it's very clear and simple. So if I steal money from you, I owe you the money back. That's clear, simple. Windshield, that's clear to say. Here's where it gets hard. Let's say that you were sexually molested by your father as a child. What does your father owe you? Mm. He doesn't owe you $100. He, I mean, now he can't give you your innocence back because forgiving is not about fixing it as if it never happened. That's impossible. You can never unbreak my windshield. You can't. Right. And, and, and the court of law is not designed to unbreak anything. So what does that father owe that child? And, and here's where we get into the father in situations like this owes that girl a confession. Not an apology of, oh, I'm sorry. You hear the sarcasm in my voice. Yes. Okay. But a confession. And a confession has several pieces to it. I, so I take ownership of I, your father, did this, molested you. So I name you against you. It was wrong and it hurt you. Those are the five parts of a confession that that father owes that little girl. Even that little girl may be an adult now. Now, you say, well, that doesn't fix anything. You're right. It doesn't. Forgiveness doesn't fix anything. It frees me away from the wrong so that I can heal. So that's, that's the debt that is owed. And, and let's remember, you know, we hear that phrase a lot of times, well, you know, she's the scapegoat of the family or he's the black sheep. Well, that phrase actually came from a biblical back in the Old Testament example that God gave to the Hebrew people, where God lifts the, the debt, the, the wrong, off the people. They place it on Billy, okay, the goat. They send him into the wilderness. And so there, there's a debt that is owed. And that's the second piece of it. What does this person owe me? And again, I, I would like to have it written out because in the court of law, everything is documented. Here's the wrong. Here's the debt that is owed. Now, in a case of, okay, the father sexually molested the little girl, in addition to the confession, that dad owes, in a sense, paying for therapy. Mm-hmm. Now, whether they'll collect on it or not, mm-hmm. that's a different story. We'll get to that in chap- We'll get to that to the next question. But that's what's owed. You know, if, if I break your arm, I owe you the medical bills. So there's mm-hmm. that. Now, our court of law presently doesn't necessarily recuperate those things, but that's what is owed. 
And so I need to write that down clearly. This is what that person owes me. Well, and what I'm understanding, there's a distinction here too in being able to declare, this is what is owed to me, but we may not actually get to collect that debt. So this person may owe me a confession, but I might not get it. And that's whether or not they're willing to give it, or maybe they've passed away, or that that confrontation can't happen, or whatever the reason might be. But at least there's that first step of saying, this is what is owed to me. And I think that goes into the next part that you're sort of alluding to as far as who then is the debt collector in that stage. And you mention that in the next step that it's allowing God to be the debt collector and surrendering the issue to God. And that's a really daunting issue, especially in the case where you don't get what's owed to you. And, and, and that's a difficult piece because, and, and I, I tell people, you, you have three choices. You can be the debt collector yourself, so you can keep the list. But when you're connected to the list, you're connected to the wrong which is connected to the pain and the hurt, which is connected to the hurtful person, which means you'll never heal. So you can keep the list and try to collect if you want. Okay? You can give it to karma, you know who she is, you know, the, what goes around comes around. And for non-believers, sometimes that's what they do. Or we can give it to God. And here's the hard part, though. So I have this, and, and this is why I like an actual documentation of, of, on piece of paper. Here's the wrongs. They're real. They're, I, stare, I stare at them. They look at me back. They're real. That's not my imagination. Here's the debt that's owed. It's real, not made up, not my feelings. It's real. And now, am I going to keep a hold of this piece of paper or am I going to somehow give it to God to be the debt collector? But you hear the questions, all the, all the yeah buts and all the why God questions. Does God really care? Care about me? You know, or, well, God will just forgive everybody and throw it out the cross. And the, do, you, do you hear the struggles? And, and this is sometimes where we can't hurry this up. Because now I'm face-to-face with God. Do you really care? Does this matter to you? And when you right the wrong, how will you do it? And some of us go, well, I don't want to be the debt collector, but at least I want to watch when God does it. Well, and, and this is a hard piece because giving that collecting job to God, yeah, is I am starting the letting go process. So when you hear people say, well, let go and let God, well, that's this step right here. It's not the whole piece. And I really, and can I trust God enough to really, really take care of it? I know I went through that in my divorce. It was very difficult for me to say, Lord, if I give this to you, it feels like I am giving this person a free pass. It feels like I am just walking away from it. And I felt that as I sat with that, and I love that you said, don't hurry this, that as I sat with that, God reminded me, I am good. I love you. I want what is good for you. And you holding on to this, this is too big for you. You holding on to this is not good for you. You can trust me with this. Even if you never see the outcome of it, you can trust me with this. It's too heavy for you to carry. And when I finally got to a space of being able to put those things really in his hands and say, well, I want to move on. I realize that part of what keeps us hanging on sometimes is that the hurt is familiar. The hurt is, it's uncomfortable, but it's what we know. Yes. And we feel like we're sort of in control and in charge of it. And I can watch it if I know that I'm in charge of it. And giving it away just feels like it's foreign and it's strange and it's unknown. But when you finally give that over and, and jump to that other side, 
there's so much freedom that's there. But Tim, what what can you practically say though that might be, you know, that helps to connect the dots to help us get to that process and make it just a little less daunting? Well, and and, and again with this, it's not they don't get off the hook. And we a lot of times we we think that way. No, it's there is a wrong. It's documented in heaven's courtroom. There is a debt that is owed. It's documented in heaven's courtroom. The only thing that's changing hands is who does the debt collecting job. It's going to be collected on. If God is a holy and just God, and I believe he is, wrongs must be righted. That's part of justice. That's part of his holiness. And it's just not me doing the job. So now it's between God and my ex-husband. And now it's between God and that person. I'm out of the loop, but they're not getting away with anything. And you think, well, that doesn't sound Christian-y and nice because it's a, yeah, boo-boo, I'm going to sick God on you. No, this is simply the way the courtroom works. The wrong has to be taken care of somehow. It's just not by you. It becomes God's job now to collect on it. So I'm not just giving it away and, you know, whatever. No. And that's why I like that document. And so whether then you rip it up and burn it or whether you fold it up and go, God, this belongs to you, whatever symbolic form that it helps you to do that, going, God, this is yours now. It still exists. Here's the document. It's just not mine to collect. So getting to that point then, if we can get to that point, we need to get to that point where we're saying, God, this document is yours. You are the collector. You're in charge of it. Now, the next step you talk about moving into marking that debt as paid and being able to then also absorb the damage that comes from that. Can you help us to understand what each of those steps entail and how then that promotes our healing process? Well, and in courtroom, everything's in triplicate form. And so you get a photocopy of here's the wrong, here's the debt that is owed you. And okay, so let's go back to the example of you break out my windshield. The judge says, that's wrong. The judge says, you owe me a new windshield. You don't owe me a million dollars for pain and suffering. You owe me a new windshield. I go up and say, your honor, I forgive Michelle the debt. He goes, okay. Drops the gavel. Case closed. Court is ordered. Court is over. I receive a photocopy of that. And Michelle doesn't owe me anymore. The debt is still out there, but Michelle doesn't owe me. And so my copy of the wrong and the debt that is owed is marked paid in full because when we leave the courtroom now do you owe me a thank you for forgiving you no that'd be polite but you don't owe me you're not under any obligation to me now it's between god and you and so i have to understand my copy is marked paid in full you don't owe me anymore so as i walk out and since i've done the nice christian thing and forgiven you somehow some mechanically inclined angels have fixed my windshield for me I don't think so. Who fixes my windshield now? I do. Is it my fault? No. And that's an important thing. It was never my fault. The documents prove it. It was never my fault. But I absorb the damage. I go take a half a day off work, which costs me. I pay to get the windshield replaced, which costs me. I absorb the damage. And one of the things that I was learning when I looked at the the Hebrew and the Greek languages for the key root word on forgiving is this absorbing the damage 
is in the very initial root word. It's there. Now, that's not fair. Mm. I agree. It's not designed mm -hmm. to be fair. It's designed to free me up so I can pull away from the debt and the pain so that I can heal. My copy is marked paid in full. And then I realize, because if I can, go, I can go through all of Colorado here with a broken windshield going, oh, poor me, I'm a victim. Oh, poor me, my windshield's broken. Michelle broke my windshield and never heal because now I'm playing the, the, the bitter person of, oh, poor me. No, I fix my own windshield. I pay my own therapist bill, if that's what it means. I end up paying the court bill going through the divorce or the custody situation. No, it's not fair. It never was. I absorb the damage so I can heal. I'd like to break in here quickly and mention a new resource at agapemoms.com. It's called The Seven Loneliness Traps, and it's a free guide to understanding seven common mindsets that keep us feeling limited and powerless as we move forward in our lives. Unforgiveness is actually one of those traps. And some of what Tim talks about is actually in that guide. So if you go to agapemoms.com slash free, you'll be able to down that free guide today. I found that's the most empowering part of giving this over to God and that forgiveness process is so many times we end up chasing that person in whatever way that we can, feeling like, well, how can I collect this debt? How can I get them to, to justify my pain? How can I get them to fix it? And when you've marked it paid and said, you know what, it is my responsibility now to heal and to take care of this, that is a space where in my relationship with God, I've seen where God has blessed me and taken care of me and shown me his mercy and love for me because as I've said, okay, God, now this is between you and me. We, we got to move forward and fix this that I'm allowing myself to be opened up to receiving and receiving his, his peace. And that person can't give me that. No matter how great their apology, no matter if they fix the windshield, I will not feel as good about myself moving forward if I try and get it from them as if I were to just take the, the reins and go forward with God, regardless of whether or not that person owns up to what it was that they had done. Exactly, because I cannot control that other person and make them pay up. I can control my actions to forgive. I can control my actions to buck up, pay the, the bills, and keep going. Now I'm back in control in a good way, and I'm also able to heal, and that is going to feel a whole lot better. You're right. It is, Michelle. And I think the thing really is getting past that fact that it is not fair. And so often, I think especially when we look at like maybe a, a court type of an example, we think, okay, if X happens, then Y happens. You know, if, if A happens, then B happens. And I think what happens is we, we shove ourselves into a box of thinking like, well, this is the only way that I can feel better about this is if this person apologizes to me or gives me the debt that I'm owed. And when we can kind of take the blinders off and open our, our eyes to realize that, no, there's actually a different way to healing and it's okay that it's not fair. It's, it's, it's really freeing, but it's getting past that first, that first understanding that it's not fair, but your healing, even if this person apologizes to you, doesn't lie in their hands. It's in God's hands. And the healing is between God and me 
regardless of what the other person ever, ever, ever does. If they deny it, if they ignore it, it doesn't matter. I can still heal regardless of what they are doing or not doing. And we should. I think we're responsible to, yeah. right? And, and, and we'll get to this when we talk about trust. Forgiveness is mine to give. Trust is theirs to earn. This is mine to give. So that, Remember, forgiving is not about getting them off the hook. It's about helping me disconnect so that I can heal. Mm-hmm. Forgiving really is for my benefit, not theirs. It's for my benefit. And it's for my healing and it's for my good. Not in a selfish way. No, in a legitimate, responsible way. It's for my benefit. Now, the last step, you talk about now how to treat that person and treating them as forgiven. (laughs) (laughs) Can you tell us, you know, give us more detail as far as what that means, especially in the case as we're talking about where that that debt is not going to be collected and how if we do have to continue to interface with this person, how we can treat them as forgiven. And again, if I'm never going to see the person again, it's much easier. If I'm in the relationship, either directly or indirectly, if we have to share, you know, custody of the children back and forth, if there's, if it's my boss, if it's a coworker, if it's a, you know, family member, yes, it is much more difficult when I keep interacting with them, you know, out of necessity. And so the idea of treating them as forgiven doesn't mean, well, everything's okay and wonderful and it never happened. You hear the sarcasm again. No, it did happen. I still have the documents. And sometimes I encourage the person, you may need to keep those handwritten forms out that show the wrong so that you can remember it was real. And it was not your fault either. And it did happen. Sometimes we need those reminders. So I have that document. The only thing that treating them as forgiven means is I don't bring it up and go, hey, Michelle. You broken any windshields lately? Huh? Huh? Hint, hint. Or, <laughs> hey, you like my new windshield, Michelle? Huh? I don't bring it up to you. Now, I don't trust you because I'm not going to tell you where I park my car anymore. Okay. That's a totally different topic that we'll get to in a little bit here. But I treat you as forgiven. That's the only thing. It doesn't mean I like you. It doesn't mean, you know, the things are good between us. No, that's called, you know, confrontation, reconciliation, restoration. That's different topics. I just don't bring it up to you. I know it happened. I have the documents. I just don't remind you of it. That's all it means. And that's doable. What I realized is my tendency in the past was to slap kindness on it and say, I mean, even though I had legitimately forgiven a person to treat them as though nothing had happened. And I found that that sort of started to feel like a self-betrayal. You're lying to yourself. And Exactly. And so I ended up stepping into a place that felt more like neutrality. It felt like I don't maybe have fondness for you, but I also don't have hatred for you. I'm just moving into a relationship that is basically more of like a business type of a a transaction, I guess, where there's not emotion that's tied into Uh a relationship where it's a person you still have to work with, but that you can no longer trust. Exactly. I I just don't bring it up to you. That's the only thing that's changed. Things are still Mm -hmm. awkward. Things are still tense. Things are still whatever. Yeah, all that's true. I just don't bring it up. That's the only thing that this last step means. And again, that's doable. I can choose to not bring it up. That's all. I don't have to try to pretend anything. No, I just don't bring it up. 
I'm a to-do list kind of a girl. And so having the ability to understand forgiveness, not as just this kind of vague concept, but as something that actually has outlined steps, really helps me to move through hurt and pain and understand what it is exactly that I need to work through and what I need to let go of so that I can continue to move on in my life. I also find that understanding forgiveness in this way, it's not as scary because I'm not giving power away. I'm actually empowering myself to take on this process and to take on my healing and to move forward. And I hope that you'll feel that same sense. As I mentioned, the conversation with Tim was so rich that I couldn't put everything into one episode. So I'll be releasing part two of my conversation with Tim in which we talk a little bit more about the healing process and the differences between forgiveness and reconciliation and when we can actually trust someone again. I wanna thank you for joining me for this episode. If you have questions or feedback, I'd love to hear from you. You can go to the contact page at agapemoms.com or you can find Agape Moms on social media, Facebook and Instagram at Agape Moms. Thanks again. I look forward to having you with me next time.